Praise God. I put it in there today. I knew if I put it in my Bible, I'd find it eventually. Praise God. Here you go. I hope it wasn't marking an important place. Praise God. <laughs> it's not now. Open your Bibles tonight to the book of 1 Samuel, if you would please. 1 Samuel chapter number 14. 1 Samuel chapter number 14. And um, I'm going to read beginning with verse number 24. And I, I want to deal with the subject tonight on a little taste of honey. They were singing about honey and tonight and honey in the rock. And they're talking about the honeycomb and praise God. So we want to talk about that subject tonight, a little taste of honey. First Samuel chapter 14, if you're there, say amen. They'll have it on the screen. Verse, first cha cha uh, for, verse 24 of 1 Samuel 14. And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had placed the people under oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats any food until evening before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. No one of the people tasted food. Now all the people of the land came to a forest, and notice this, and there was honey on the ground. And when the people had come into the woods, there was the honey dripping. But no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father's charge. Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath. Therefore he stretched out the end of the rod that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his countenance brightened. Then one of the people said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath saying, Cursed is the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. But Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. Look now how my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Help me to minister and to share what you have given me tonight with your people under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. All right. When uh, we look at this, in order to get, um, well, we need to go to the previous chapter really to understand what is happening here in the background or in the context of this 14th chapter. But if you'll read the beginning part of chapter number 14 and the, the uh, latter part of chapter 13, you'll find that the Philistines had come against Israel with a huge army. 
And here we find Israel again as they were in so many, uh, so many situations, so many times that they were outnumbered. And they, uh, they were outnumbered at this point. There were 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen. And the Bible says that the soldiers, the foot soldiers, the infantry of the Philistine army was as the sand of the sea for multitude. And the thing was, when they came against Israel, they saw, when Israel saw this large army come against them and saw how outnumbered they were, that the, the soldiers, the men of Israel went and they hid themselves in caves and hid themselves in thickets, holes and pits. In other words, they were just running and hiding from the enemy. Some of the others there in Israel just completely, totally ran away. And the Bible said that they fled across the Jordan into Gilead. They were in distress, and there was fear that gripped their heart. They were so afraid of the enemy. Only 600 out of several thousand that were with Saul at the beginning, there were only 600 soldiers, 600 men that were left with Saul. And the Bible tells us that they were full of fear. They were shaking in their boots. And I'm going to tell you, this is, a, this is a sad condition for God's people to be in. A condition where they're filled, filled, filled with fear and where they're hiding from the enemy. But on top of this, not only were they all afraid, not only were they hiding, but they had good reason to hide from the Philistines, from the enemy, because on top of everything else, not only were they, out, they outnumbered and the army of the Philistines stronger than them, but the Israelites themselves had no weapons at all. They were totally without weapons. Because the Bible tells us in the previous chapter in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 19 and 22, it says that there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all of the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. This was the strategy of the enemy to come in a little at a time, take away the blacksmiths so that there was no way they could form some weapons or have weapons of war. See, the devil is very sly and he's very slick and he'll take time to come in a little at a time and weaken us a little at a time so he can move in for the kill so to speak but in verse 22 it says this of the 13th chapter it says so it came about notice this on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan see what had happened was that the enemy had successfully had successfully disarmed the people of God. These were God's people, ladies and gentlemen. These were the heirs of the promises of God. And here they are outnumbered. And they've been there before, but right now they're in a place where they don't have any weapons. They found themselves unarmed in the presence of their, of their enemies. They found themselves in a situation where victory just 
just seems totally impossible. There seems to be no way against the odds that they are facing. There's no way that they are going to overcome. And so it doesn't look good. How many's ever been in a place where it didn't look good? And it didn't look good for them. And you know, when, when you look at this, and I've, I've preached from this particular text before of how that, that, that they were totally disarmed and totally without weapons. And that's what the enemy wants to try to do to the church. And he's been very successful in many ways of disarming the church of the weapons of our warfare. We have spiritual weapons that the Lord has given to us. We have weapons of our warfare, the Bible says, are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And Paul gives a list in Ephesians chapter 6 of all of the weapons, the weapons and the armor of God that he has given that God has provided for us to be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. Well, if the enemy can be successful in getting us to lay down our weapons, if he can spiritually disarm us, if he can get us uh, out of our armor where we're not clothed with the full armor of God, then he has uh, uh, the opportunity then to come in and to be victorious over us. There's no reason why any child of God should not be over, be an overcomer or overcome the enemy with the weapons that he has given us. They are mighty through God. So we as a, as a church and we as believers must not allow the enemy to steal away the weapons that he has given us and the armor that he has given us. Can I get an amen? Well, here they are in this situation. They have no weapons. They're hiding from the enemy. But but when we, we read in this 14th chapter how that there was one, one, one guy here in this whole group by the name of Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of Saul. And Jonathan was a lot different than his dad. Jonathan was a man of faith. And here Jonathan takes a step of faith. For it says in verse number 6 of that 14th chapter that Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, to his armor bearer, he said, Come and let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. And notice he says, It may be that the Lord will work for us. In other words, he's saying, If we take a step of faith, maybe, just maybe, God will honor that and do something for us. And he says, for nothing restrains the Lord. I love this. He said, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Can you see what Jonathan is doing here? Jonathan is, has made a decision that there's something wrong here with this story. Every, everybody's hiding from the enemy. The, the entire Israelite, Israelite army is filled with fear. Something is wrong. It's not right for God's people to, to be hiding from the enemy in fear. So Jonathan says, I've got to do something. So he makes a decision to do something crazy. 
Amen? He's, he's going to do something radical. He's going to take his armor bearer, and he tells his armor bearer, bearer nobody else is going to do anything, so how about just me and you? Let's us go up and fight these Philistines. He's going to get his armor bearer, and he and the armor bearer are going to go up and attack the enemy. You know what? This is, this is a step of faith. This is a faith that is fed up with the situation. This this is a faith that is saying, look, hey, you know what? I'm tired of what's going on here. We've got to do something. It is a faith that says, I believe. And this is what Jonathan was saying. I believe that if we'll step out for God, that God will move in our behalf. And do you know that's the way that it is, ladies and gentlemen, that so many times, as a matter of fact, God is waiting on us to take that step of faith and step out and just make a move, to bust a move, to do something, and if we do, He will work for us. And see, we have got to do that. Amen? I love, I love what Jonathan said there. He says, it may be that the Lord will work for us. If we'll take this step of faith and step out, I believe that God may just work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord. Notice that. Nothing Nothing restrains the Lord. There is nothing holding God back. There is nothing hindering God except our doubts and our unbelief. Amen. Nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Amen. When we're pressed on every side, when we're in that situation that it seems like there's no way out, we've got to exercise our faith like Jonathan and step out and believe God. Do you know that faith, true faith in God, always, always acts. Amen? It always does. It doesn't just sit back passive and just, just say, well, I hope God does something. But faith always acts. Jonathan could have sat back and said, well, I wish God would do something. But he said, you know what? I believe that if we move, God will move. I believe that if we do something, God will do something. See, we've got to step out a lot of times and, 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 and take risks. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about doing something foolish or presumptuous. But I'm talking about taking out that, taking that step of faith. And even, you know, if we'll step out, somebody said, well, I'm afraid that I'll make a mistake. But you know what? Even if we make a mistake in our stepping out, trusting God, I'd rather try and fail than to never do anything at all. Amen. If you know what, if we would have, if we would have waited to step out um, as far as this church is concerned until all the conditions were just exactly right and and everything, if we we just knew it was all going to work out the way that 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 it has worked out, Amen. If we if we didn't ever take that opportunity to step out and believe God, we'd still be down the street here in that uh, in the storage buildings. We wouldn't be up here where we are today, Amen. There were those that said when we got ready to build this church, well, it's not the right time. I mean, you know, the, the economy wasn't doing very well. And the Lord spoke to me, and the Lord showed me, oh, uh, Joshua leading the children of Israel across that Jordan River. And do you know when it was that God chose to take them across the Jordan? It wasn't when it was low and they could have just waded across it, but God waited until it was flood tide. God waited until it was overflowing its banks. God 
waited till it was 30 or 40 feet deep and, and a mile across. And then he said, now you go, can go over and possess the land and take Jericho. Amen. And God is showing us that if we'll take a step of faith and believe God and step out, that he will step out and do a work in our lives. Amen. It's kind of like those four lepers. You remember those four lepers in the book of 2 Kings? And there was, a, there was a great famine that was going on in Samaria. And the Syrians, you know, they had, they had, uh, they had besieged the city of Samaria. And, and uh, man, there wasn't any food. There was famine. There was, it was just a pitiful situation. And there were four leprous men that were outside the gate of Samaria. And they said, I love what they said to one another. They got to, they got to talking. And the one said to the other, said, why do we sit here till we die? Why don't we do something? They said, you know what? We just need to make a move here. I know if we go back, if we stay here, we're going to die. If we go into the city, we're going to die there. Why don't we just do something crazy? Why don't we just go to the camp of the Syrians? Amen. And they stepped out in that faith, and they headed toward the camp of the Syrians. And you know the story. When they got there, all of the army of the Syrians was gone because when they stepped out in faith God caused the Syrian army to hear the sound of horses and the sound of chariots and those four lepers walking up through there to them sounded like a great army. Amen. And so the Syrians left their camp. They left their tents. They left all the food. They left everything and those four lepers walked in there and sat down in one tent and they ate and drank and gathered up gold and silver. They went to the next tent and they ate and drank and they gathered up gold and silver and they said, you know what? You know what? It's not good for us to keep all this to ourselves. We need to go down to, down to Samaria and tell them down there what we found. Hallelujah. And they went down there and said, we went up to the camp of the Syrians and it was empty and vacated and we've just been eating and drinking and having a big time. Praise God. The, the king sent an entourage up to Syria and found out that what they said was true and according to the prophet of Eli uh, the prophet Elisha he has said he had prophesied by this time tomorrow there'll be some food in the city of Samaria oh one of those old unbelievers said well it might be if God would open up the windows of heaven but I'm telling you what God had he had four old lepers outside the gate that wasn't afraid to step out and obey God and believe the Lord and said why don't we just take a step of faith and maybe God will do something great in our life. Oh if you believe him he'll never he'll never fail you. He'll never let you down. Amen. Woo hallelujah. Amen. So praise God. You know they stepped out and God moved and that's what Jonathan did. See, whatever, whatever impossible situation that you or I may face tonight, I want you to know this, that the Lord will work for us. The Lord will work for us if we will believe Him and trust Him. For nothing, nothing restrains the Lord for saving from saving by many are by few. When faith is exhibited, God's 
power is demonstrated. Oh, hallelujah. So when Jonathan stepped out, the Lord worked for him. And you know what he did? There was a man when he, he, and, the, he and his armor bearers stepped out, God went to work. There was a trembling in the host of the Philistines. The earth quaked. The enemy got confused. The Bible uses the terminology in verse 16 that it said that the enemy melted away. They, had a, they just had a meltdown, and they began in their confusion to fight against each other. But God gave them the victory. And the Bible says that the Lord saved Israel that day. See, the situation suddenly changed. Who's ready for a sudden change, amen, in your life? Praise God. Do you know God can change things suddenly? And that's what he did here. And all through the Word of God, we see where, where God just gave sudden changes in individual situations and in individual lives. So, you know, we need to take those steps of faith and see what God will do. Let's do what God has set before us. Let's not be half-hearted in our faith and in our trust in the Lord. Let's not be compromised, but let's be fully committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because as Jonathan said, God can do a lot with a very little hallelujah or somebody said I just wish I had a great big faith if I had huge faith if I had a large faith you know what if you'll just take the faith you got even if it's the size of a a grain of mustard seed and place that faith in the correct object have it anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ in his finished work and the promises of God I'm telling you a little bit of faith will move a mountain a little bit of faith will bring down a giant a little bit of faith will defeat the enemy if you will step out and believe God there's victory for you in your life amen praise God well I'm going to preach myself happy then but notice this Jonathan steps out. God moves in his behalf. He defeats the Philistines. They begin to fight one another. And the Bible said that Jonathan and his armor bearer killed 20 themselves, 20 Philistines in a half-acre plot of land. But then the Lord, when he began to move and the enemy began to be defeated, that sudden victory, that turnaround that God had given them. But then the Bible says in verse 24 in our text, it says that Saul, King Saul, who represents the flesh, you know, Jonathan's operating in the spirit. Saul, he's sitting under a pomegranate tree. Amen. He didn't do nothing. And, uh, the Bible said that he made, Saul made this, this, this stupid oath, this dumb decree. And he said in verse 24, it says that the men of Israel were distressed. Now, they've been fighting. When, the, when, when, when God began to move against the Philistines, all of the rest of the army and the soldiers that have been hiding, they come out of hiding now. 
You know, it just takes one person to get something going. They come out of hiding, and they begin to fight the Philistines. And so they're weary with the battle, and they're tired, and they're, they're, they're distressed, and they're at a place of exhaustion. They needed some energy to continue in the battle. But Saul makes this oath. He says, Cursed is the man who eats food until evening before I've taken vengeance on my enemies. And it says, so none of the people tasted any food. So they come under this, they come under this foolish oath of Saul, this foolish thing that he's saying. You know, he said, nobody's going to eat anything until, until I've got total victory over these Philistines, till I've totally taken vengeance on all of my enemies. And it says, so they fell under this oath and no one tasted food. Now, as I said, they're tired. They're weary. They've been fighting. They need some energy to continue in the battle, but this oath that, 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 that Saul makes to the people is, is something that only hinders the army from that total victory. Because what happens here, if you'll notice what happens if you read this, is now they become too weak to do battle. They become too weak to fight. See, you know, here's the thing that we need to understand tonight, saints, that sometimes Christians try to go too long and too far, you know, without receiving a refreshing of the Spirit of God in their lives. Now, there's a time to do battle, and there's a time to wage warfare. But you can't go from one battle and one conflict, spiritually speaking, to another without having some spiritual refreshment. Can I get an amen? Every one of us has got to have some spiritual refreshment. That's why I believe church is important, and, and worship is important, and the preaching of the word is important and your prayer life and your fellowship with God is important. You've got to have that refreshment that comes from the Holy Spirit. Do you know that you will grow weary in your spiritual walk with God unless you receive a, a, a refreshing of the Holy Ghost in your life every once in a while? Is anybody still here tonight? Every one of us. Oh, I know people say, well, I, I got filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, uh, 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 5 years ago. But you know what? That's wonderful and that's great. But you know what? How many knows you need a refilling every once in a while and a refreshing? I would say on a daily basis. Paul told that church at Ephesus, he said, Do not be drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. And that word in the Greek is in the continuous. It means to continually, constantly, every day, all the time, be filled and refilled and filled again with the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. I tell you what, every day in my prayer life, I'm seeking the Lord, and I say, God, I need a fresh anointing today. I need some fresh oil today. I need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost in my life. It'd do you good if you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. You need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But praise God, if you have been, you need to pray every single day until you're refilled filled and refreshed and revived in the power of the Holy Spirit. You need that strength that comes from God. Come on, give the Lord a praise tonight. 
Praise God. We've got to have that refreshing. And that is why we need good Holy Ghost filled church services. Woo! Hallelujah. Brother Bishop McGee this morning said how they so enjoyed the service this morning and the worship and the presence of God that was here at Abundant Life Family Church. We've got to have that. That's the reason we have to have. We must have anointed music and anointed worship and anointed preaching and teaching of the Word of God. That's important because we have to replenish our spiritual, uh, our spiritual needs in our lives. We have to have that recharging and refreshing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But see, Saul here, he puts, he puts this oath out. He puts this curse out. Nobody can eat nothing. Man, they're weary. They're exhausted. They're tired. They need, they need some nourishment. They need some strengthening. But you know what Saul, you know here, Saul, he's, as I said, he's, he's carnal. Saul is in a backslidden condition. But Saul is a type of the modern church today, I believe, the, the modern day church that says, you know, well, uh, you know, the gifts of the Spirit, though they're just not, they, you know, they passed away way with the apostles. When that last apostle died, you know, those gifts are not necessary today. There are so many that are following that, that doctrine and that teaching of cessationism and the, the, those who, who teach the cessation of the gifts of the Spirit. They say nobody speaks in tongues anymore. Well, that isn't what the Bible said. Come on, somebody. Amen. They don't want anybody speaking in tongues or prophesying uh, in the church services anymore, even though, even though the Bible is very plain, and Paul plainly says in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, he said, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. I don't know how in the world they explain that away, but I'm going to follow the Word of God. It says, do not forbid to speak in tongues. You need to get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues. Every one of God's born-again believers need to be filled with the the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues. You need that prayer language every day. Amen. Amen. We talked about that a couple of Wednesday nights ago when we were in the book of Jude on praying in the Holy Ghost. But, but, but listen, there are a lot of even Pentecostal churches today and Pentecostal pastors so-called that tell the people that, well, we're not, we're not having any of that in our services. We're not having any of that. And people are, are, are drying up spiritually because Saul has said, there's some things you can't have. Praise the Lord. Y'all are excited tonight. But we see that in the church world today. Amen. But you know what we need? We need that renewing and refreshing of the Holy Spirit. I'm ready for, I'm ready for revival. I'm ready for refreshing. What we need today, if we get in the place like this group was here that are exhausted, that are weary, that are battle-worn, and then, then you know, we have the enemy telling us, you can't have this. You can't receive anything from the Lord. You, you just go on the way you are. What we need is a taste of 
of some honey from the Lord. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. We need the refreshing and some nourishment from the Holy Ghost. So what happens? What happens here? Follow the, follow the story. What happens? Saul has made this foolish oath. The people are forbidden to eat anything. And it says that they come to a forest in verse 25. That all the people of the land came to a forest. And there, notice, was honey on the ground. And when the people had come into the woods, there was the honey dripping. Can you see this? There's honey everywhere. The honey is dripping. But notice what it says. There it is available for them. It's for, for, I mean, it's just right there. But it says, no one put his hand to his mouth. Why? Because the people feared the oath. They were told, oh, hallelujah, I'm about to feel something now. It's all around them, but they're told they can't have it. I guess this message means more to me than it does anybody else. I, the honey, notice this, was everywhere. The honey was in abundance. <laughs> I love what the scripture says. Said it, was, it was dripping. It was on the ground. It was all over the place. It was easily accessible to everyone. It was within the reach of everyone. They stood there in the midst. Listen to me tonight, saints. They stood in the midst of the blessing of God and were prohibited from partaking and enjoying any of it. They were on the brink of their greatest victory over the Philistines. But they are weak and weary. And all they need to refresh and strengthen them is within their grasp. All they need is a little taste of honey to renew and restore them. But they fail to receive it. Because they've been told you can't have it. God has provided it. It's everywhere. It's free for the taking. But they said you can't have it. I'm here to tell you tonight that God has made his blessings available to every one of us. And the devil is not going to keep us from having what God has provided for us. Amen. You can have the honey, and you need a little taste of God's honey tonight. Come on, amen. Give him praise, yeah. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. I mean, it's all over the ground. It's dripping. They're not going to have to climb a tree. They're not going to have to fight off any bees. <laughs> All they had to do was reach out and get it. Everything that they needed was there for the taking. And all they had to do, God had provided it for them. I mean, they're weary from the battle. And God said, okay, here's all this honey is yours. It's dripping from the trees. It's all over the ground. It's, an, it's there in abundance. But nobody's taken it because the enemy, because Saul, a type of the enemy, uh, has said, you can't have it. 
Well, I'm going to tell you something. You need to know this, that the honey is available. And all you got to do is reach out and get it. Amen. Come on. Amen. Because, see, you're not going to have to climb a tree to find it because Jesus already climbed a tree. And Jesus was nailed to that tree. And Jesus says, oh, you ain't going to have to fight no bees to get it because he's already fought the bees at the cross, the powers of darkness. And he's already spoiled the principalities and the powers. He's triumphed over them in the cross and defeated the powers of the enemy and all the sweet honey of God's blessings and all the provisions of God and everything you need tonight is there within your reach already bought and paid for by the precious blood of Jesus and his death and resurrection. Come on, amen. I'm telling you, the honey is dripping everywhere. There is healing for your body. There is deliverance from every bondage and every oppression of the enemy. There is victory for sin over sin and temptation. There is power and ability to live for God. There's peace and there's joy and there's strength in the Holy Ghost. There's salvation there available for your family and all you have to do ladies and gentlemen is dripping everywhere the promises of God or there's a book here right here that's full of the promises of God and everything that you can have through the Lord Jesus Christ all you have to do is stop listening to the enemy who says you can't have it and reach out and get you a handful of the honey of the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Get a little taste of God's honey tonight. Amen. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo. All you've got to do is eat the honey. See, the devil knows that he's been defeated. He knows that Jesus has paid the price. And he knows that he cannot stop. Listen to me. He cannot stop the blessing from coming to you. It belongs to you. So what does he do? Satan, he has to get you to rob yourself of the blessings of God. He has to get you to deprive. He wants to deprive and cheat you out of what has already been given to you. See, Satan wants you to live under the curse. That's what this was that Saul placed a curse on that. So that they couldn't eat anything. That's where the enemy wants you and wants the church under the curse, not under the blessing. But I'm going to tell you something tonight that Jesus Christ has already at Calvary redeemed us from that curse that the blessing of Abraham can come upon the church, the children of God and those who are the Lord Jesus Christ. He has redeemed us. Come on. And we can partake of the blessings of God. Notice what what Jonathan does. He Jonathan comes up there. He doesn't know. See, here's the thing I love about Jonathan. He doesn't know what Saul has said. He don't know. He hadn't heard this oath that was given. We need selective hearing. There's some things we don't need to listen to. Come on, amen. There's some things that would be better off if we didn't know was said. 
Praise God. I mean, there's a lot of unbelief out there, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of unbelief and doubt. But, but, but Jonathan didn't know. It said in verse 27 that Jonathan hadn't heard his father's charge, the people with that oath. So what does he do? It says, therefore, Jonathan, he comes along and he stretches out the end of the rod that was in his hand and he dipped it in a honeycomb. And he put his hand to his mouth and he began to eat some of this honey. Everybody, <laughs> hallelujah. Everybody else is standing there. Jonathan, he, he, he just walks right into the middle of this crowd that's standing there. And they're just looking at all this honey. I know their mouth is watering because they're all hungry and they're looking at all this honey. And he just walks right there in the middle of them because he hadn't heard the unbelief of his father. He walks right in the middle of them. He dips his staff in, in, in that honey and he starts eating the honey. And the Bible says, notice this. And he put his hand to his mouth. And when Jonathan began to taste that honey, his countenance, it said, his countenance brightened. Hallelujah. His countenance brightened. And look at what Jonathan said in verse 29. He said, look now how my countenance has brightened. Why? Because I tasted a little of this honey. My Lord, he got his strength back. He got his strength back. Amen. He was telling them, this is what you need to do. Oh, listen to me, abundant life. Just a taste of honey enlightened his eyes. Just a taste of honey refreshed him at that very moment. Just a taste of honey lifted his spirits. Just a taste of that honey gave him strength for the battle. That's what you and I need. See, Jonathan realized greater victory could be won if the men would have only tasted a little bit of honey and as soon as he did he is enlightened he got a fresh revelation he was rejuvenated and ready for the next battle what we need is a new fresh taste of a little bit of the honey of the goodness of the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ Woo! hallelujah we need a refreshing amen we need to be tasting of this honey of God's Word. Psalm 119.103 says, How sweet are the words, your words, to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. How many of you all tonight can say, Oh, God's Word is sweeter to me than honey. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. When John saw the vision of that angel in Revelation chapter 10, and that angel had that book in his hand, that book that, was, and, and, that he was holding there in his hand, and, and, the, and the Lord said to John to go over and take the book out of the angel's hand and to eat it up. And the Bible said that he went to the angel and he said, give me this little book. And the angel said, here, take it and eat it. And it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. And John said, I took that little book out of the angel's hand and I ate it. And it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. 
Oh, I'm telling you, we've got a book here, ladies and gentlemen, that we need to be feasting on. There's, it's full. It's sweet. This is sweet. Amen. Oh, yeah, there's some times when you get it on the inside of you, there can be some bitterness there because there's some things that will show you about your life that you need to get straightened out and you need to change. But it's a sweet book. Come on, amen. There's promise after promise in all the things that the Lord has done for us at the cross. It tells us about it in this book. Oh, if Satan, if Satan can keep you from the honey, if he can keep you from eating the goodness of this Word, you'll never know all the good things that God has in store for you. Oh, I pray it all the time. Lord, help me to always teach your people your Word, to let them know, Lord, what you've done for them at the cross, to let them know, Lord, what's available for them. Oh, so that the enemy will not be able to deceive them and keep them from enjoying the honey, the sweetness, the goodness, the blessings, the benefits that are ours in Jesus Christ. The honey is dripping all around you, ladies and gentlemen. The honey is all over the ground. The goodness of God is everywhere. And David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's good. He's good. He's good. Give him praise tonight. Oh, we need to taste of his honey tonight. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and praise him. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blessings tonight. Oh, Oh, we give you glory. Oh, come on, let's worship him, saints. Oh, we thank you tonight for the blessings of the Lord, for the goodness of God. Oh, you are sweet. Your word is sweet. There's honey that's in the rock. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God your word is sweeter than the honey in that honeycomb. And Lord, it's all over the place. Your blessings are not scarce. Oh, Lord, hallelujah, your blessings are there. They've been made available. They're in abundance. They're dripping everywhere. They're for your people. God, don't let a one of us listen to the live Saul that says you can't have it because everything that Jesus bled and died for on that cross, we can have it. It's the sweetness of his blessing. It's the sweetness of his goodness and grace. And we receive it tonight. We receive it tonight. Oh, give us some Jonathans tonight that will just reach down and take some of the honey and have our countenance enlightened in the Lord Jesus. Oh, come on, let's come around this front tonight. Let's come around here. I believe the blessings are falling tonight. I believe the windows of heaven are open. Whatever you have need of tonight, Jesus Christ has provided it for you. you